because they care. Hello, friends. Hi there. It says that no one's listening. <laughs> I'm going to text that to you well, right now. The gang's all here. <laughs> the gang's all here. This is the biggest our audience will ever get. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That'd be Rude. sad. I mean, it would be less embarrassing if there were zero people, but marginally less interesting. Or it would just be us like rambling. Bullshit. Which is like really normal. Don't listen to the pouring of the wine that you might hear. (laughs) It's water. It's water that you're hearing pour. Not wine. It's waterfall sounds. Waterfall sounds. Get you warmed up. Oh, my grandma wants to. Okay, that's that's cool. Oh, oh wait, we didn't get to. Hold on, grandma. Hold on, grandma. Hello. Your volume up. Hello. Hello. There she is. Hi. Grandma. Can you hear me? I sure can. Okay. <laughs> is mom joining or is she sleeping? I have no clue. Oh. I would I'll... not be surprised if she was sleeping. Oh, that because was it's been around her... two days. <laughs> That's true. I sent her a really obnoxious text message, and in retrospect, I feel remorseful for it, but it's been sent. So. Mom! <laughs> There's a lot of exclamation points, but an entire bottle of wine has been consumed. I was going to say, I was going to say what makes it worse is that what I thought was correct was consumpted. Consumpted. We have nearly consumpted an entire bottle of wine. Whoa. Yeah, it's going to be no quality. Grandma, oh, this is going to be really good to put, like, on air live in the recording. Internet. But, Grandma, remember when I went to your house and I got too drunk? And then the next day we went on the pontoon and I was so hungover <laughs> that if I didn't jump in the water, I was going to throw up. <laughs> ah. Remember that? That was fun. <laughs> uh, well, we've had a few of those. That's true. We don't, we don't shame each other for that. <laughs> We had some quality talks that night. <laughs> That's right. It was is, is is you know when you do this, do you uh-huh. see all these? Um, I do. I do. And Cassie, people. Yeah, and Cassie has not joined. Join. Wait, caps lock. Join. See, I downloaded the app. Yeah, which is good. I think. I'm being really aggressive to people tonight. I sent in all caps. Join the podcast now. Um, to who? To Cassie. She said she didn't get to hear the end of the last one. And I don't know what I did, but our last recording didn't save. So this is going to be fun. Mom. I did. <laughs> I did do that. And then when I go to look and see what episodes we have, our only episode is our trial one where we sound like dying robots. Yeah. Which is, is that good. what you mean about saying to her? Well, we did the first recording and then we ended it because obviously the, the audio wasn't working. And then we started the new one, which was the long one. And that the one, okay-ish one. That one didn't save. So Right. And you deleted the um, one that had all fuzzy stuff. Well, I tried to. But that's the only one I can see on there right now. It's all just... Oh, no, no. But I can't see that one. Oh. Anymore. 
oh, well, that's good because that one's Garbo yeah, for sure. Because, <laughs> right, because before that was all I had was, mm. you know, I went to listen to it again and it was the one with the fuzzy fuzzy. Interesting. Well, who but now I can't see that one anymore. Interesting. Well, we're going to redo an episode, but it's not going to be the same story because that would be super lame. We're going to do new stories because we do nothing but listen to true crime. So I've got stories Quite a few. coming out of my butt. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. But have you listened? Have you watched Cold Case? Like, where is this show located? Netflix. Hmm. I have I not, haven't. but I apparently need to. I listen to a lot of podcasts, um, and I watch all of like the big documentaries, like Making a Murderer, The Staircase, the right. uh, the one with Michelle McNamara on HBO. Like I watch the big ones, but I Cold don't. Cases on Netflix, so those would be ones that haven't been solved. Oh. Those are the most infuriating, you know what I mean? Well, I Brad, do. we don't have other viewers right now, so <laughs> we might just get this party started. But I'm going to, like, disconnect your audio so that okay. you're recorded as just me and Jenna. Does You know what All I right. mean? Yep, that's fine. Okay, love you, bye. <laughs> love you, bye. I think that's really cool, though that you can just like have people join yeah. because like while we're doing the podcast, if we kept doing it live for a while, we could just have people say they're join. Like, like if we like ran out of content, we could just be like, what's the craziest murder mystery that has just bothered you up until today. And then people could either message or call in and we could be like, hell yeah, tell that story. Yeah. And people could just join. I like it. I really like that. Okay. We are going to start with a story that is really not a good story. Like, (laughs) murder and true crime is never a good story. And it's typically unpleasant. And it's often hard to listen to. But this story, to brace um, our viewer, is a story that involves teenage girls, which is infinitely more sad. This one's making me feel itchy. Yeah, it's, it's an itchy story. But I will preface it with the fact that what you worry about with a story like this is that the girls were sexually assaulted. That is what you are most, like, you don't want to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, you you obviously don't want anybody to be murdered, but this is, like, a true crime podcast. So, like, if they weren't murdered, we wouldn't be talking about it. Right. But they were up until right now, today, there's no evidence as of now that like aligns with them being sexually assaulted in my opinion oh my god wait i think i might know this one you might i think i know it's you might it's like all coming back to me i think there's a crime junkie episode about Mm. it and crime junkie is like a phenomenal podcast that i highly recommend to every friend and family but this story right now they don't think that they were sexually assaulted which in in some very marginal way makes it better i guess because i mean if something bad happened you at least like want it to be quick and done with, you know? So let's just get on started. Um, This story is based out of Austin, Texas. And if you haven't been to Austin or you don't know about Austin, Texas, 
Texas, as we all know, is a very like Republican state, very Republican, conservative leaning, nothing against that. But typically bigger cities often lean Democratic. And Austin, Texas is a huge city. Yeah. And Austin, Texas is like weirdly Democratic. Like, wait, well, Texas is Republican. Oh, oh, oh okay. But okay. Austin is like very Democratic. It's, so it's a huge population. A vast majority lean Democratic within a hugely Republican state. So when you go to Austin or if you live in Austin, it's like a really weird vibe because you're used to like this Republican attitude in the South and in Texas. And yet this whole city is very progressive. And so it's kind of like, it is cool, but it's, it's just, it's like a weird mix sometimes. And it can make different groups of people like uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but it's really interesting that like Austin, Texas has like a huge pride festival every year because they just are a very progressive people. So this story takes place in the nineties. It happens in the winter of 1991 and it's kind of an unfortunate story because we still don't really have answers to this day, which are some of the hardest stories to talk about. Because when you talk about a true crime story, a lot of the times, like, you want answers and you just sometimes don't, don't get, get them. it. You just don't get them. So there's a group of teenage girls. Two of them work at a yogurt shop. It's a yogurt shop located in Austin. Kind of like a Menchie's or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, these girls, one of them is 17 years old, and let's see. I'm, by the way, we're going to discuss. I'm going to read a lot of my information from this article called The Austin Yogurt Shop Murders. It's on unresolved.me. It basically breaks down in two parts the entire case, and it's extremely informational. So I'm using it to kind of sort some of my information and verify like what I'm talking about and I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty one of the girls was 17 I know another one was 13 and the other two girls were in between 13 and working there so basically two girls worked there the 17 year old and like another older girl I want to say she was like 16 or something and then the 13 year old and one of the other girls they didn't work there but they were such good friends with the two that worked there that they were, like, there all the time. Oh, okay. Like, they knew that their friends worked there and that they always had to close mm. the restaurant down. They just kind of go to hang so out. So they would sit there and just help. And sometimes it was, like, actually really cute. When the two girls that worked there were cleaning, they would help clean oh. like, the tables off. And they would put the chairs up. And because it's, like, they would have sleepovers afterwards. And so they they wanted the sleepover to happen faster. Oh, okay. So they would, like, help them close the restaurant down, which is, like, really cute. So basically, these girls were the two of the girls. Um, one of them is Jennifer Harbison and Eliza Thomas. Actually, both of them were 17 years old. They were working the evening shift, and the restaurant was called I Can't Believe It's Yogurt. And I feel oh. like that's such, like, a 90s, like, restaurant name. Yeah. Like, now, like frozen yogurt is like so normal yeah like, you buy it from the store but i feel like back then it was like this cool concept mm. of like healthy dessert yeah 
So they were working the evening shift. They started at like, one of them started at 7 p.m. The other started at 8, which meant those two girls had to close the store down because they worked the last shift. Mm -hmm. So over the next few hours of their shift, like a ton of people came into the yogurt shop towards the evening. Like a lot of the customers had gone to like a movie that night. And they would get out of the movie and they would want like a sweet treat. They would get it and they would go home. Or the store was located, I don't know for sure, it's either in like a strip mall or a mall, like Newgate. Yeah. Or it's like very close to it, like one of the two. And you know how like Newgate. Or it could be like kind of like City Creek. It could. Something like that. Yeah. And it's like kind of like Newgate in the sense like that the movie theater is like in the mall. Mm -hmm. So it's like all this shit like happening in one place, you know, really like lots of like restaurants and businesses and mm -hmm. so over the next several hours a ton of customers would come and go and they would leave behind breadcrumbs of a witness sightings that the police would have to kind of like dissect so basically these girls they close down the store and all these customers come in throughout the night and each customer has a different I guess, what's the term? They would have like a different, not a version of what happened because nobody was physically present for what happened. Yeah. But each person came in for a different length of time, starting at a different length of time. And saw whatever they saw. They saw what they saw. And like, you got to think, like when you go to Cold Stone to get ice cream, you don't really retain anything about anybody that's in there. Yeah. It would be, in my opinion, like for me personally, it would be surprising if I even retained anything about the person that made my like took ice cream order. Or whatever. Yeah. Like you're not going to like, Oh, they had a ponytail and brown hair and she seemed a little weird. Like you're yeah. not going to know, like you're going to be like, Oh, I'm here for ice cream. I want to go. Just when? Yeah. yeah. So basically between eight fifteen and eight thirty, a young woman dropped by the shop. She picked up some frozen yogurt for her husband. He had had dental surgery. She would recall seeing two teenage boys sitting in a booth near the front door. They were the only two customers in the shop at the time. Like, to repeat, this is like 8.15 to 8.30 p.m. The shop doesn't close until like 11 p.m. So this is still pretty early. Yeah. So Because in their shift are like 7 or something. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's weird, but is it really weird? I don't know that no. that's weird. So around 9 o'clock, 17-year-old Jennifer Harbison takes a short break she drives down the street, picks up her sister and her sister's friend. These are the other two girls. Mm -hmm. She picks them up from North Cross Mall. That mall is closing soon. Sarah and Amy and Jennifer return to the yogurt shop, but they would walk a few doors down to a pizza shop and they would grab a pizza. So these three girls, one of them works there. She's picking up the other two from the mall. They're like, let's get pizza we're closing we're gonna be here for another hour and two hours yeah we're hungry like whatever and it kind of sounds like this pizza shop is like and i'm just like literally making this up but <laughs> it sounds like kind of like family owned or even if it's franchised it's like like they can kind of do what they want because it sounds like the people trust them mm -hmm. because if they're picking she's leaving taking a break picking up her sister her sister's friend going getting pizza bring yeah. it back it's like they clearly know, like, nothing's going to come of that. They can do what they want for the most part. And, like, they're trusted. And they're being trusted to, like, close the yogurt shop. Yeah. So they bring pizza back. 
um, at some point, this happens at like mm, probably nine, between nine and 10. They bring the pizza back and about 9.30, another customer drops by. Um, she is actually the mother of one of the girls that's there. So she's the mother of one of the 17 year old workers. Okay. And she would come by all the time because it's like, Come eh, see your kid at work. And- yeah, your daughter's like working a late shift. That's kind of scary. Like, who really knows like what's going on? And so she would get freaked out and she would come by just to like make herself feel Check better. in. Yeah. And so she stops by and it says, the article from unresolved.me says, Eliza's mother, Maria Thomas, drops by the yogurt shop. She and the other parents regularly did during the teen's weekend working shifts. She stayed there for a few minutes, bought some yogurt, and then left, believing that everything was fine. There was no other customers in the store at the time, and nothing seemed to be out of the ordinary. At some point between 9.30 and 10, and this is where it gets interesting, because we've seen like a lot of normal shit happening mm-hmm. between they start at 7 and 8, and so far, it's like nothing unusual is really going on. And even her mom goes there. They're acting normal. Everything in the shop seems fine. It's like a normal routine visit. She does this all the time. So they visit and then they leave at 9.30 or 10 or so p.m. Like this is getting kind of late, I feel like, mm-hmm. for like a yogurt shop. But I guess I don't really know when people want frozen yogurt. <laughs> but a guy comes in. His name is Daryl Croft. He is a former military policeman, and he's the owner of a security firm. Um, he drops by. Actually, wait. Yeah, no, that's the same. He drops by. So he's got, like, some experience with, like, weird shit, like, uncomfortable situations. Yeah. Like, he's a former, like, military police officer. So he drops by. He notices two separate young couples as well as an individual young man who appeared to be alone. So the young couples are like ignorable. Like they're just like normal people. They're just there for ice cream on date night or whatever. But he does hang up on the young man. And so he says, Croft described the young man who had a deep voice and a large nose as being fidgety, especially when he spoke to Croft, which is the police officer. The young man seemed perplexed by the vehicle Croft had parked in front of the yogurt shop. The vehicle he had parked in front of the yogurt shop was like a security vehicle, which like, like I'm sure you know, like security vehicles can like range from mm-hmm. like what they look like. Sometimes they're just like a normal car. And just a security but, sticker. Yeah, right? yeah, like a reflective yeah. like, paper sticker. Yeah, but sometimes they have like those lights on top, like a mm-hmm. light bar. And it makes them, like, in the dark, look, look, like, official. Yeah. And sometimes they even have, like, those mirrors. Like, you know those, like, spotlights that cop cars have? Mm-hmm. Where it's, like, if they turn it on, you could, like, point it at a car. Yeah. So it's kind of a vehicle like that. And so the guy, the young man, like, looks weird. Like, keeps looking at the car. Like, thinking it's a cop car or something. Mm. Which I guess we don't know. But that's what, that that's what he's assume. thinking. But that's what it, he acts like he's concerned about you know yeah so apparently the young man goes up to the register to the girls and orders just a can of soda which like why are you at a yeah like why are you even in there he goes and he orders a single can of soda and then he takes it with him towards the bathroom in the back of the store croft claims he never saw him leave by the time he left himself 
So I feel like in this whole story, this guy in specific is like number one weird yeah. scenario. Like that's the weirdest thing we've heard so far. Like just this weird guy. Speaking to the police at a later date, the security guy was unable to provide much more information about him, but he did claim that he was wearing a green jacket and it looked like something you'd pick up at like a military surplus store, mm. which are like, if you're not sure, like those are stores where they sell either real military grade equipment or knockoff military mm. grade equipment and they sell it to like normal people, which not to be like judgy or anything, <laughs> but I feel like. A lot of times it can be people that are like military fanatics or like end of the world like kind of people yeah. that like are trying to stock up on like like doomsday preppers. Yeah, doomsday preppers. Thank you. Like people that are looking for like bulletproof vests and like weird camouflage shit that like what are you using that for? Like why why do you need it? Want it? Like I'm not <laughs> sure. So that's kind of what he was wearing, which is weird, but we'll ignore that. So then it says on our, on our article, it says between 10 and 11, multiple witnesses come into the store. The final sale. So like even in the nineties, the register is used to show like what time people come in. Like Mm -hmm. it's going to generate a receipt, even if it's just like a bullshit paper receipt, it's still it's still going to say what time the sale happened and the register is still going to document that, you know? And so the final sale at the register was at 1042. And this was to a couple that had just gotten out of a movie and they wanted to grab some dessert before coming home. While they got their yogurt, the couple reported seeing a couple of individuals who they believed to be men sitting at the table closest to the cash register. Both were wearing jackets or thick sweatshirts, which obscured their faces, but one appeared to be bigger and more muscular, while the others appeared to be skinnier within features. And so, like, we kind of have to, like, take that with a grain of salt, I feel like, because let's say that when I bought this wine that we're just, like, really casually drinking right now, that somebody knocked on the door, like, while I'm sitting here, and was like, somebody has gone missing or was murdered at the liquor store that you were at the day you bought that. What did you see? And you have to, and if you're thinking of it in like a, I want to find the weirdest thing that my I, brain thought, yeah. then you kind of maybe like upscale it a little. Yeah. Like you could, I don't know if that's, that's true. Like you could either, it's like, you got to think you too, either like, say like, I don't, I don't edit anything or it's like, Maybe, maybe that guy was acting weird. Yeah. Maybe he was being. Yes. And you got to think, like, we are true crime people. You know, literally, I go, like, out and I'm like, I need to I need to remember that behavior because what if somebody questions me about it yes. later? When I hear, <laughs> like, this is so embarrassing. We live in Ogden, Utah, oh. which oh, is, no. like, it's not, like, the most, like, it has a reputation low for not class. being like it's not like so yeah. like low class that yeah. it's like scary like i go on walks in the evening i and enjoy night, living here it's i fun. like yeah no one's ever broken into my car like nothing weird that i know of has ever happened but yeah it is still like a lower middle class kind of neighborhood if not at some points like upper lower class yeah and so sometimes I will hear fireworks going no, off. And then I literally am like, was that 
Oh, was it? But it gets weird. I look at the clock and I'm Me like, too. <laughs> I'm like yes. just in case somebody ever calls, he says, did you hear yes. anything? And then yes. I'm like, yes, 12.02, I heard a bang. <laughs> every, every, I'm not making this up, every fucking time that I hear a firework <laughs> or maybe a gunshot. You question it. Know. You question it. I turn my phone on and I'm like, 9.33 p.m. I heard a weird sound. <laughs> And I'm going to burn that into my memory. So <laughs> Just that in case. <laughs> in 17 days, when the FBI calls me, See, I'm like, 9.33, motherfucker. I could be helpful. Exactly. Because 98% of the time, it's no a firework. Yeah. And even if it was a gunshot, it's like domestic or like drug related. Yeah. But just in case, it's a cold case. I'm going to tell the police that it was 9.33 p.m. on Saturday, August 1st. I'm gonna tell him. Yeah. So I'm glad I'm not alone in this. <laughs> I'm so glad because literally Jason is like so appalled at me because I hear it and I grab him and I go, What was that? <laughs> and I go, I literally say every time, firework or gunshot. <laughs> and he's like, It's Ogden. Yeah. I don't know. It's near July. So Yeah, but then you hear them sometimes in October. And you're yeah. like, Where do you leave fireworks in October? But they do. They literally do it all the time. No. I'm going to drink some wine now. So, brief pause. Okay. Mm hmm. So, our two witnesses, they saw some weird looking people. One was more muscular, the others were skinnier. They didn't really get a good look at the pair because, and I quote, they had little reason to believe they needed to. Which is really fair. Yeah. Like, why would you look at people? If you look at them too much, it's, you're the weird one there. Like, I feel like <laughs> sometimes when it's late at night or it's, like, a weird situation, I, like, weirdly look at stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm, like, red Mazda 3, <laughs> blue Pontiac. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like, I'm, like, red burn. mustache, blue eyes. <laughs> yeah, I, like, burn it into my mind, you know? Yeah. Because, like, what if it's a murderer? It could be. And, like... We, most of us, listen to true crime podcasts, watch documentaries, or are at least breathing individuals who know forensic files exist. Yeah. And these are, like, people who have committed serious murders. Like, this shit is real. So we need to be aware. I don't want to be the people in the yogurt shop who say, there was somebody there, but I don't remember what he looked like. Yeah. I didn't feel like I needed to know. Was he acting suspicious? I wasn't paying attention. And like, not to be a dick, I don't know that they actually felt that way, but it a little bit sounds like they did. Yeah. So we're just gonna infer from that article <laughs> that I'm reading, which is a reminder unsolved.me. So the yogurt shop was scheduled to close at 11 p.m. By the time these two witnesses left, it was 10:47. One of the teenage employees had started wiping down tables and placing chairs on top of the tables. It would later be reported that the two chairs that the obscured men from the witness statement were sitting in were still left at the so, table. So they were there during mm-hmm. closing. Which is like, suspect. Yeah. And like, I talked to Jenna about this before we started recording, but I think it's really, really cute and important to share. So two of these four girls worked at the yogurt shop, but the general concept here is that the four of them were going to have a sleepover that night. And so when 
one of the 17 year olds picked up her sister and the other girl they brought them to the yogurt shop and they were going to have a sleepover that night and so these two girls two of them do not work there they're they, just there by association they are bare, they're there by association they got some pizza out of it but they don't have any real obligation these two girls are known to help close down the restaurant so these girls would help their sister or their friends however you want to view it help them wipe down the tables and put the chairs up just because the police said it in such a way that they just wanted to speed up the sleepover yeah which is like that's so fucking cute like that is really cute like that like breaks my heart a little bit like they just wanted to sleep and over. was 13 they yeah one of the victims was 13 and they just wanted their sleepover to happen faster because when you're that age that's like that's what's important it's like, like the that, sleepover that's the like and imagine the peak of your two week. of these girls are 17 I don't know the third girl. I could look it up, but I'm not going <laughs> to. But the fourth girl was 13. So imagine you're like this 13-year-old girl, and maybe you're like the third girl's friend or whatever, mm. or maybe you're the sister. I'm not sure. I should I know, know, but I don't. I don't know either. And I'm not going to look it up. <laughs> but, like, this girl I was, like, hanging out with, like, some 17-year-olds. Like, she's probably, like, so stoked. Like, I guess Yeah, because they'd be cool or whatever. Maybe well, she does it, like, every day. I don't know, but... I, I feel would like it would be, still be cool. I would be stoked. You would feel like it, like this is gonna be the coolest. I'd be like, oh my god, I'm like, these girls is gonna be fun. Cool. I'm gonna be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, these girls, 10:47 p.m. is when they left. The two of the girls had already started wiping down tables and placing chairs on top of the tables. It would later be reported that two chairs that the obscured men were sitting in closest to the cash register would be the only chairs in the entire fucking restaurant that remained on the floor. That is not a coincidence. No. The last two or like, four or whatever. The only thing playing in my mind is, well, I guess we need to figure out like, what actually happened. True. But, but between then and disaster... Like there has to like that's all. Why didn't they? You know, they were there when it happened. It's, if they didn't do it, they were there when it happened. Exactly. But if they were there when that happened, they did it. Then they know what happened. Then they would say it. And if you were so innocent, then you would say, "I was the last fucking person there. We were the last men there, and we didn't see anything." Or we did see it, and it was this. You would come forward. And we know that these men were in the fucking room yeah. because people saw them. Whether they recognized who they were, what their features were, what they were wearing, people saw people there. Yeah. And those individuals, I think it's two of them, but at the other, in another description, it kind of sounds like there's more. Like it kind of sounds like there's a three group or of four, them. like a group. One is bigger, the rest are skinnier, which is like, what's the rest? Two, One other three, person. Yeah, four. so who knows? But it's like you, you, if you were innocent, and I mean, maybe I'm just like stretching, but if you were one of the four or three or two people left, when that witness, witnesses gave testimony, you would say, oh, shit, that, that was, was me, me and let me clear myself. That was me and my friends and we were just fucking around getting Ice fucking cream. yogurt yoga late at night. And we didn't do shit and here's our DNA, like whatever. Yeah. And I guess like... I guess the concept, like, you could argue, like, maybe they were, like, young and they were just scared. Yeah. 
but it's also 2020 and this shit's still unsolved yeah so you'd think like they might come forward and say something like oh god i was there like fuck because you know in cities like this like austin's a big city but even in big cities or small cities or rural towns or whatever i feel like on the anniversary like something always happens the Mm -hmm. news covers it like every year for the first five years you know like today's the anniversary of whatever happened like and you would think like you still probably live in that town especially like by the description they're like teenagers you know so they'll be there for a while yeah like it's not like they've like moved away like they're gone like they're probably teenagers they probably know exactly what's happened or at least know that they didn't do it maybe and yet on the anniversary i mean this happened in like what i think it was like 91 yeah 91 it's been how many years now? so they're grown yeah you think that they would come forward and be like even if let's say there's four of them like let's make the assumption there's four one of them is the big built guy the others are the scrawny guys you would think one of them on the anniversary or close to it or they'd feel so guilty that they come forward but it just doesn't happen you know yeah so let's discuss so what we're we're, we're, what dis- we're discussing what happened but we don't know what happened <laughs> so let's go so basically the last register transaction is it about was the couple it was the couple they like got 10 40 late or whatever. yeah 10 42 it was scheduled to close at 11 they see these weird guys um besides the two okay let's see i'm sorry i'm getting this word so while jennifer and eliza were the only employees working that evening it's believed that sarah and amy jennifer's younger sister and her friend we're helping out so that the teens could leave on time. This is what we discussed earlier, and it makes me want to cry, and I'm pretty sad about it. They wanted to leave on time to have their sleepover, and I'm sorry, but that makes my heart really sad. Yeah. Witnesses do not recall seeing Sarah and Amy out in the lobby during the last half hour or so of the store's open hours, but it was believed that they might have been moved to the back of the store to begin cleaning up back there. That was where their pizza box would later be found, indicating that they had relocated to the back kitchen of the yogurt Which makes shop. sense. I mean, like, yeah. I worked at a food place, and yeah, you go yeah, sit front. in the back yeah. to eat your food, and you... Yeah. You don't want to, like, eat in front of people, because they're, like, going to get this idea that, like, you're not sanitary, you know? Like, yeah. So, the yogurt shop was scheduled to close at 11, and as the clock continued to creep closer to midnight, the teen's parents had no reason to suspect that anything happened to them. So, I feel like maybe I'm reading this wrong or skipping around because I've drank almost an entire bottle of wine, but it kind of seems like it happens to get closer to 11, and then it kind of jumps to, like, midnight, and their parents, like, still haven't heard from them. Okay, but it is normal. True. After having, like, you close at 11, you gotta, there's stuff you can't start cleaning until the True. end. True. Like, you can't, You can't like, start cleaning, at least, like, for me, like, we worked at, like, like you can't uh, mop, fast food. Maybe. You can't start cleaning the fryer until it's done. And then that's, you gotta take a minute. That's gonna take a minute. True. Or, like, the soft drinks or whatever. Yeah, and, like, like, the ice cream machine. nozzles off. And you have to, like, and... rinse out the ice cream this or like whatever. quality and it's like right there. Oh, ice cream. So you have to rinse out the machines and you can't with like the gallon do buckets. do it. Because until... what if someone comes in at 10.59? Which they do. Yeah. 
Notoriously. So you can't start a lot of the processes until like the end. You are so correct in this. So I feel like that's not a big deal that they haven't heard from him for an hour. That is so true. So it gets closer to midnight. They still haven't heard from them. I guess by the sounds of it, like maybe their suburb was like kind of a rural town. I might just be making this up, but they were part of the FFA. Oh, Future Farmers of America. Exactly, which when I was a kid, that was more like rural town shit. Oh, it's all over. Is it? Is it? Well, when I grew up, I grew up in like Coopersville, Michigan, which is like, you could, if you considered Michigan and any part of it rural, Coopersville would be like a hick town Mm -hmm. per se. And so, like, FAA was big there. Big, like, yeah. I had I had a friend, I had a crush, actually, when I was in elementary school. His name was Marcus. And he, like, grew up on a dairy farm. Like, a big yeah. fucking dairy farm. Like, hundreds of cows dairy farm. And so, that. like, that was just, like, kind of normal. Like, I had a friend who grew up on, like, a chicken factory farm. And, like, that's kind of Yeah, weird. my mom, like, got, like, awards and stuff and... Like, my mom was in FFA. I wanted to join FFA, and then my dad sat me down. And, like, dad, if you're listening, you can correct me on this. But I'm pretty sure it happened. Might be a dream. Not sure. (laughs) But I, like, wanted to. And my dad was like, you know, they kill animals during it, right? And I was like, wait. Never mind. He was like, yeah, like, you raise them, which is, like, super cool. Like, you raise them. And then you. And then, like, what they're raised for is to, like, eat them. And I was like. We eat animals. <laughs> and I was like super traumatized. So, brief pause. I'm gonna drink more wine because, like, this is a podcast, you know? Yeah. But, what, why were we talking about FFA? <laughs> oh, okay. After all, the four girls were in the same FFA chapter at uh, Lanier okay, High. Okay, 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 okay. They regularly stopped by the school's off-campus site on North Lamar Boulevard to say goodnight to the animals they were raising. Eliza, <laughs> well, true, but growing up, and you know, like on a farm, I guess, like if it was like, if you were part of a club that was like, those animals are your life, which like... Like, kind of the way my dad described it is, like, they are your life. Yeah. Like, your animals that you're raising for FFA are, like, prized possessions. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you love them. And so I kind of, like, can almost, like, I have no um, background on this whatsoever. So I'm, like, literally 1,000% making it up. It up. <laughs> but I could see the mindset there. No, yeah. Like, these are, like, your prized animals. You want Well, you put all your time for them. In. That's what you do in your spare time. And so, like, you want to check on them. Like, you're like, you're still good, right? Like, you're still good? Yeah, right. So, it kind of sounds like she was raising a pig while the Harbor sister, Harbison, sorry, Harbison mm-hmm. sisters were raising lambs. The teens shot by at least twice a day, once in the morning, once in the evening. And it was believed they might have dropped by the animal pens to care for them before heading home, which sounds really weird because basically the way this article makes it sound is like, the people who were in charge of the FFA or knew these girls very closely believed that these girls would have stopped by. It kind of makes it sound like they did stop mm. by, but based on what I know about the case, it's like they did not yeah, no. stop by. But it's like a that's what they assume would have happened in yes. a normal night. In a normal night, they would have stopped by. They would have thought to see the pigs. So just before midnight, 
Troy Gray, a young police officer with the APD that was patrolling Northwest Austin on the lookout for DWIs, he happened upon the strip ball, which contained, I can't believe it's yogurt. This is where all the girls worked. So he happens by this place and it looks to be about 11.47 PM. While he's looking at, I can't believe it's not yogurt, he sees a ton of smoke coming from the yogurt shop. This is not normal. I mean, like, I know we know this is not normal, but this is a, a police officer. He's not a, he's not a fireman. He's not on duty to look out for fires. His main purpose tonight and that he knows is to look for DWIs. I mean, people driving under the influence, people driving suspiciously, Maybe people, you know, with drugs on them, something like that. This is not what he sees on this night. He comes to find out that this yogurt shop is on fire. Mind you, between the last sighting of these girls and this police officer seeing smoke coming from the building, nothing has been called in. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, this police officer is patrolling the area. He's looking for, like, DWIs, kids acting stupid. like Just, just patrolling. Some, yeah, he's just patrolling. Just open like, it out. Looking for some bullshit, you know? And yeah. he walks by this mall, and he sees smoke billowing out. Of, and he didn't say anything? He didn't? No, he did. He did. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> he sees smoke billowing out. Billow, billowing, billowing out. out. Billowing out. <laughs> and... He's like, what the fuck, you know? Like, this is not, like, what he signed up for. He's not a fire chief. Like, he's not a fireman. So, at about 11.47, he calls it in. He believes that it's a simple kitchen fire. The call, because, like, I don't know how to describe this, because I didn't grow up there, so, like, I might be making this up based on, like, what (laughs) I've read. But Austin, at in the 90s, was, like, not an eventful place this was not like shit happening murders drugs like like this was not normal (laughs) this was so not normal yeah so basically like this one call this one call like prompted like everybody everybody showed up like they were like oh shit something's happening let's fucking go you know so they all came so they all come so fire crews would arrive at the location with Renee Garza being one of the firefighters on duty that weekend. Garza would later testify that showing up at the scene noticed that the lights of the yogurt shop were off with the closed sign facing outward, which means that the girls had already closed up shop. They had turned the closed sign on. They wanted the store to be closed, whatever. As the flames started to dwindle during the firefighters, like, fighting it and maintaining it down like the way it's described as like the fire could have spread way worse but the firemen got there and they like sprayed it with water and they contained it they got it down while they were like dwindling the flames down one of the firefighters looks at one of the others and says is that a foot yeah literally like they they don't even understand like what they're arriving to. No, they have not even at all. No concept. It was at that point that the horrifying discovery would be made that would change the lives of everybody in Austin. 
The police officers at the scene made the call to the authorities that would eventually call in a sergeant. Even though the original call came into the dispatchers, informing them that two bodies had already been found, two more would be found later that night. So, like, I've read a ton of this from this article that I found on unresolved.me. It's all about this case and the murders. It's called the Austin Yogurt Shop Murders. I read most of it from part one, Innocence, which kind of talks about the girls that were murdered, how they grew up, what their families were like, and what happened during the crime. So that's where a lot of this has come from. But... I kind of just want to talk about, like, this is where the case ends. Like, the fires were discovered by the police. The police call in fire dispatch. Fire dispatch comes. The police and the firemen don't understand that this is a murder scene. How would they know, you know? This kind of just seems like, kind of seems like this is just, a fire that has like maybe something left a burner off. Yeah, like maybe a kitchen fire. Like yeah, the first guy thought. So when they go in fighting the fire, they just douse it. I mean, they douse it. They weren't trying to preserve anything because they didn't know there was anything they, to preserve. Right. Exactly. So they go. But even my thing is, like, even if they were trying to preserve something, how much can you preserve something while also getting rid of the fire? Exactly. You can't. Really. There's no way. I don't know if they teach it in fireman school. <laughs> Literally. School. Fireman school. That is this. I don't know if they do that. But I don't know if they like sit and say like, just in case there's crime scene evidence in here, spray it to the left. I don't like. I don't know if there's a way that they can. If they can like, put out the fire in a way that's not destructive. I don't think that they can. <laughs> I really don't. So So you can't blame them there. The police They're trying to contain them. They're They're doing their job. They're literally and I mean like I know we all feel this. They're doing the best they can. That's all we can all do. That's all we can do. They are doing they're doing the fucking best they can. And honestly, like what sucks about the whole case, I mean this happened in the nineties. So like DNA evidence exists, but like it's not what it is today. But like I don't know how else to say it. They're doing the best they can. In the 90s. It's called in as a kitchen fire because... It's in the kitchen. We even go back to, like, the original police officer that was, like, scoping for DUIs. It looked like a fucking kitchen fire. It looked like it. Yeah, you're not going to... But, like... And he's not a firefighter. He's not going to go in and, like... Or, like, any house on fire. Like, you're not going to be, like, arson. Yeah. Like you'd be like, oh, damn. It's a firefighting Dummies. Like, left their, you know. Yeah. Left their candle going. Exactly. So, but. basically, what transpires over the next couple of days, really, is they start to look into how the fire started. And while they're looking and fighting the fire, they realize that there are body parts Sticking out of the rubble. Which, that's unpleasant. So, let me break down. We have a new viewer. I love that. Hello, Hello, Johnny. John? John? Isaac. Oh, we have so many viewers. Hello. I love that. Hey, Hello. Welcome. You just came in the, the, the peak of the story. The peak of the story. We're talking about murder in Austin, Texas. You missed the first part. I'll sum it up. A 47-minute story in two seconds. 
yogurt girls working at their shop seems okay all of a sudden not okay patrol man sees a fire it's not on accident i love that that's a very good summary feet feet and fire i love that and then now you were caught up so there are girls working in a yogurt shop everything seems normal it's not normal Suddenly, a police officer sees that the building's on fire, not thinking anything of it, calls in the firefighters. The firefighters come. They start, crazy concept, fighting the fire. <laughs> and while they're fighting it, they see a foot, a human foot, sticking out of the rubble. So, a human foot sticking out of the rubble, they start treating the fire in a very different way. They start fighting the fire. It's crazy. I see your UG. I see it. And I feel it in my soul <laughs> because this whole story, if you want to Google it, it's commonly known as the Austin yogurt shop murders. Google it and you will be appalled. It's terrifying. So they start treating the fires as a murder because they see a foot. And what they come to find out is this foot is one body on another body right or am i just making this up on another body on another and, body oh yeah because there's stacked. three bodies stacked on top of each other with a fourth body the fourth girl off to the side it's almost as if she had tried to crawl away from the burning flames yikes and what's even crazier is from some articles that i've read because they didn't know anyone that's at the scene, you got to understand, like, when firefighters got there, the closed sign was up and the front doors were locked. So they didn't assume there was going to be a victim. They thought that somebody had left something burning while they closed the store down. And so they came to realize that this girl may have been climbing or crawling her way towards Oh, that's so sad. So, the mystery is, to this day, nobody knows who murdered those girls. But it had to have been the two dudes or whatever. It I mean, I'm just saying been. that. But it I had don't, to have been. What do I know? Well, what's unfortunate is it originally started as a normal fire, which then progressed into a murder, which then progressed into an arson case. And what they think is... Researching further into the case, they realize, I got to read the exact numbers, and I mean, it's not a ton, it's not a ton of money that ends up missing, but when they do their research into whether this was a robbery or whether this was just somebody fucked up, it was just over $500. So $500 was missing from either the register or the back safe or both. They're not necessarily sure all that for like a couple hundred bucks yeah and so the main story and it's true no our viewers saying that austin used to have a low crime rate yeah after everything i've read about this is like this case back in the 90s like shook austin texas because it wasn't this something that happened it wasn't even like this didn't happen it was like fucking kids like little fucking girls i yeah. mean 
I know that a couple of them were 17. But that's, still, that's a kid. That's, that's a, kid. a kid. That's a fucking kid. And one of them was 13 years old. She was 13. And, like, the craziest part of this whole story is, like, however it went down, whoever did it, whatever we, like, decipher from all of this, those girls were shot execution style. Which, like, if you're... Disturbing. It is disturbing. It's extremely disturbing. And if you're not into true crime or you've never heard this term, it means that somebody took a gun, put it to the skin of their head, Mm. and shot them. Which is literally what it sounds like. Execution style. And so it's like, these girls were murdered literally point blank in a yogurt shop... Over a couple hundred bucks, if that's the motive, you know. If if the money that was stolen is the motive, over a couple hundred bucks. And, like, everything that I've read, all of the articles and all the podcasts combined, is, like, this crime took Austin, Texas, like, and shook it upside down. Yeah. They felt like their kids couldn't work part-time jobs, like they shouldn't. And I even read on Reddit... So, like, I, I Googled this because, like, I wanted to learn as much, like, personal info as I could, like, in a really fucked up way. It makes it, the story feel more real. It does. It makes it. I mean, like, it, it's kind of, like, disturbing to say it like that, but, like, it makes you kind of care, like, a little yeah. bit more. Like, it's one thing to watch the news and to hear that something happens, but it's another thing mm-hmm. to, like, hear somebody who has watched it go down mm-hmm. and lives there. And I had somebody say, I didn't know those girls, but two of them went to my school. And when they passed away, like, basically it fucked us all up. Yeah. And the next year, another girl was murdered in a domestic violence incident. Mm. So within two years, you have two girls murdered for no fucking reason. No fucking reason. And then the next year, you're going to high school, like, thinking that your whole life is ahead of you. Mind, mind you, two girls were just murdered for reasons that nobody knows. Nobody fucking knows. And then the next year, another person is literally murdered in a domestic violence dispute. And they literally said, like, I don't know how, like, we moved forward with this. Yeah. Like, I don't know how we did. It was just a lot. There are so many people trying to solve this case. And what's even more fucked up, and we don't have enough time for me to, like, really dive into this but eventually people were tried with this murder they were tried with this murder and found guilty i'm sorry yeah they were but what's fucked up is the police from my viewpoint of looking at the evidence the police were looking for somebody that was there or in the general vicinity during the time that the murders happened. Mm -hmm. And if somebody seemed suspicious, fit the bill, was there, done for done. Like, that's a sold case. Because you gotta think, you're in in Austin, Texas. This is a place where shit like this doesn't happen. The general public is like, solve this fucking case. Like now. Now. Like, solve it or fuck you. Like, we're not reelecting you as the like the prosecuting attorney or whatever you know so these people found these two kids thinking that they were guilty they arrested them and tried them with the murder 
they were convicted and sentenced. One was sentenced to death. Whoa. Yeah. Because, and okay, I'm really just summarizing the rest of this, but I know this happened. One (laughs) of them was sentenced to death. The other one was sentenced to, like, something fucking stupid, like, 99 years. Like, death. Yeah, yeah, death. One was sentenced to, like, being, like, executed. The other was, like, life in prison. And the argument in, like, court was, like, one did it and the other one fucking supported it. Yeah. And come to find out that, I don't know how to describe it. Basically, when you confess to murder, you have the right to, like, be Mm cross-examined. So, like, when you go to court and the prosecution says, you fucking did it, where were you on this day? Where were you on this day? Where did you do Mm -hmm. this? You have the right for your defense attorney to be like, but weren't, weren't you here on this day? Didn't you do this? Didn't didn't this happen on that same day? Don't we have a witness that said you did this? Mm. You have the right to have an attorney yeah. poke holes. Like, it's just your right. Like, as, as a human being, if somebody just has all this evidence pending against you, you have the right to have somebody to it. fucking say that's bullshit. Just because yeah. it looks like it doesn't mean I did it. But because these people confessed on tape, the court allowed the tapes to so be So are they played. assuming that they're the, the two guys yes. sitting in the chairs? They're the two they're assuming that they're the two guys. They're playing the tapes. But because it's an audio recording, who are you gonna cross examine? It's an mm-hmm. audio tape. There's nobody saying, but weren't you doing this? But doesn't your cell phone record say you were here? But doesn't didn't you have a credit card transaction mm-hmm. over here at the same time that the cop was here? There's no real way for you to have a fair trial because it's presented in an audio format. It's not like you confessed on stand. So basically, I don't know exactly how many years later, I'm just making this up, but it felt like (laughs) like five years. But like at some point of years later, the convictions were overturned. These two kids that were sentenced to execution and 99 years, they were overturned and they were released from prison saying that that was a bullshit move by the prosecution to put in a a confession without allowing cross-examination, without allowing someone to say, well, you said you did this, but you have records saying that you did this. They were released from prison and they're free. And there's a really good example of, like, did they really do it? Like, how will we know if they didn't have a fair trial? I mean, the whole point of a trial is for it to be fair. To be fair, yeah. So, to this day, these girls were murdered. They were found. Three of them laid on top of each other deliberately. Which is disgusting it's like, disgusting itself one of them was found so the general theory we'll just address this before it's like addressed because it will be is one of the girls of the four is found away from the three mm-hmm. and it gives the it gives the police and the firemen the idea that she was crawling away there's no real way to know that that's what she was doing but it mm-hmm. looks like it why probable. was three and then one yeah so the general the general idea is that she was sexually assaulted and the other three weren't. Mm. 
that she's the youngest, mind you. That's a 13-year-old? Yes, that's a 13-year-old. She's found further away from the rest of them, and she doesn't actually have evidence of sexual assault that we know of. But but she was burnt. But the judge has sealed most of the documents that Mm. involve this case. So if she was sexually assaulted, it's not being released. You know what I mean? Yeah. So as of what we know, what has been released, she has not been sexually assaulted. She was found away from the other three bodies. She seems to have been depicted as crawling away from the scene. Nobody can validate whether that's what actually happened. There's not an autopsy specialist saying that yep. she was different. Her arms are, were in this position. Exactly. Then. It is odd that she was found and the last odd thing we were like wrapping up our story we're gonna end soon but the last thing that i will add all three girls that were stacked on top of each other were shot once in the head but the girl that was found the youngest away from the scene was shot twice in the head Mm. she was shot twice everyone else was shot once stacked on top of each other it makes you like wonder what the difference there was what happened yeah why it's almost like i view it as like maybe like an anger like are you like angry that you did something that you shouldn't have like maybe we don't have the evidence we don't know maybe she was sexually assaulted and they were upset they were mad they didn't want to do it they got something got control of them Mm -hmm. and they succumbed to these like monstrous like feelings like i don't know whatever happened it upset them more than the other three girls upset them and he or she or they shot her twice jesus christ it's like it's i don't like, like that one it's like pretty heavy. <laughs> i don't like that one it's like hella heavy like there's no other way to describe that other than like that happened in the 90s and to this day you go on Reddit or like popular news websites and people are still debating on like what happened to her. There are people that think that the two men that were released did it. They think that they did it, but we'll never know. I, I don't even, I feel like, so how did those guys get tied to it? Were they like seen there or they? Yeah. Well, uh, they were seen in the mall in general. Mm. So there's just no way to know like what the real tie is there. So there's a ton more information that we've given in this podcast. There's so much more information that I can even touch on here. We would have to take literally probably three hours to give all the information that's on the internet. But if you want the information that we were given, go to unresolved.me slash the dash Austin dash yogurt dash shop dash murders. That's where most of my information came today, other than general knowledge from the Crime Junkies podcast that talked about this exact episode. It's crazy. It's insane. It's The article is the Austin Yogurt Shop Murders Part 1, Innocence. It tells you everything. It's insane. If you live in Austin, you know personally that this changed the feelings and the attitudes of Austin forever so we'll be back I don't know like next Next week week, probably maybe next week I think that sounds good we're like (laughs) still getting used to it so we'll let you know but next week sounds cool so (laughs)
Bye. Thank you.